all these women today have such a vision of that the world is open and they can create their own thing. And I think this is just phenomenal. And they're not looking to just go, you know, be somebody's assistant and work up the corporate ladder or design ladder or any ladder. They're going to create their own space and their own identity and their own and their own business and their own world. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hello, guys. Hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. So happy you're here. Um, it is Lindsay Simsek and Krista Williams, and we are excited. <laughs> I feel like that was an exercise where we'd be like, I am. And then we'd have to like show the emotion, which is actually not acting. Anyway. Yeah. I am enlightened. <laughs> I am amazing. We're just so happy to be here. Yep. Damn. As We're honored. Time, We're grateful. As time goes on. Like sitting here behind the mic becomes like a different thing because we've met you all. Mm-hmm. Dude, everyone's so cool. So cool. It's crazy. Everyone, like I'm just like waiting for a weirdo to come out and I haven't seen one. No. Like everyone has been so sweet. Everyone has been so supportive of of not only us, but more importantly of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, you know, being on tour and seeing the women connect with one another has been one of the greatest gifts. And Yeah. There's I, nothing I love more than like sitting down with someone we're oftentimes standing up kind of walking around and like you get to just like have a moment and sit down one-on-one with someone and like they're sharing and a lot of the times they're thanking us but they're also like genuinely asking for advice or just sharing something that they've done and it's like there's nothing better i know I forget how good it feels to just like be one-on-one and connect I know. with someone. What was the one? It was in uh, New York and I was like crying at the end talking to her. She had Lyme's disease and mm. I hate that I can't remember her name because we had such an amazing conversation. Um, please DM me because I love you. And it was just like, I was like talking to one of my friends that I've known for a long time. I know. Like, I felt I was able to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like it was so cool. And um, from our event in Boston, Rhonda posted such an amazing, oh. sweet post. I want to read. Yeah, read it. Long, passionate post ahead. A few months ago, I discovered a podcast called Almost 30, and I've been beyond obsessed ever since. I learned they were going on tour. When I saw Boston on the roster, I basically died of excitement. (laughs) Hesitant to go alone, I couldn't miss the opportunity to meet such smart, funny, sassy, and sweet women who fill my soul with so much love, peace, and information that allows me to be my best possible self. The room was filled with 65 beautiful and strong women. It was a safe zone where we shed tears of happiness, fears, and sadness. It felt like I instantly had 64 new best friends. She's really smart with math. Wow. This event touched me in ways I could have (laughs) never expected and couldn't thank Krista and Lindsay enough for guiding us and making each and every heart in the room explode with love. Mm. Keep spreading your gift, ladies. Uh, Thanks, Rhonda. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. So guys, my mom is, um, my mom knows that I quit my job. So that conversation was a little unexpected. But she didn't know. She had no idea. <laughs> I love that I could have, I, I was listening to the conversation. It was on speaker. I always put Terry on speaker, dude. Because yeah. I can't explain. You need someone to witness. I need, I need a witness. We are all witness of Terry. Mm-hmm. My mom is Terry and she is a piece of work. <laughs> she is a piece of work. I need, I need support. Yeah. I need support that yeah. I heard what, what Terry said. Yep. That I'm not alone in the Terry. And I heard it. You heard it. So Terry called. We're on tour. We were at Boston at the time. We we're in Boston. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just, am, like, I'm so matter of fact. I'm like, I'm in Boston. We're on tour. She's like, oh, I'm surprised you get off that much work. Or like, are you working there anymore? You know, kind of mm-hmm. almost like being a little, like a little shade, throwing mm-hmm. a little shade. Mm-hmm. Like, are you working slight. there? Slight. Because she could have, yeah, she could have said like, oh, that's awesome. How, what do you mean? How do you get off work? Yeah. How just, do you get off yeah. work? It was a little shade. Mm. And I'm like, she's like, do you even work there anymore? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, nah, I quit. <laughs> Literally, it's been like 20 days since I quit. Didn't, she has no idea. I was like, no, nah, I quit. She's like, oh. I'm like, yep. And she's like, well, what are you doing about health insurance, blah, blah. And th- that was our conversation about that pretty much. And she goes, well, I heard you've been manifesting. And I'm like, what? I was like so confused. I'm like, there, my mind goes a hundred places. I'm like manifesting my apartment. I was like, did she hear about me talking about Justin? Is mm-hmm. it almost 30? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is it? And she's like, yeah, you've been manifesting for me. And I'm, then I'm even more confused. I'm like, oh God, where's this going? And she's like, I met a guy and you manifested him. I'm like, oh my God, he has a boyfriend. <laughs> but I had been praying. I had been praying that she would find a man or a person that Mm. she could love. And I've been praying that for my dad too. I've been, and my sister as well. And I've been really, really praying that they find someone they love. But um, yeah, she was very confused. And then at the end, what would she say at the end (laughs) about the death? She said, what? Well, something about like, literally, well, I'm, I'm, you know what? I I, I love what you're doing because you know what? You might die tomorrow. Yep. No, she goes, I, you know, I love what your issues. So she, she starts it out and this is how she rolls. Starts it out with like an actual comment that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm proud of you for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It shows a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, normal, normal person would stop there. And me, you know, me as a normal <laughs> recipient of that would put my hand over my heart and say, thank you. And then, but Terry as being a POW that she is, she goes, you know, cause you could die just like your cousin who just died. So my cousin just passed away very recently and you know, he was so young and he just died. So you could have just be him, but you know, that's another story for a different day. <laughs> Literally my cousin just fucking died. I'm like, what Oh my fuck? God. Yeah. Terry's just a P P O dubs, mm-hmm. but at least she knows that I quit and it feels good. Hey guys, yeah. you know, we're probably going to do an episode on me quitting my job, but mm-hmm. it fucking feels amazing. Loved my job. Peace and love blessings. But I actually haven't looked back at all since. Yeah, of course you do. You know what I mean? To, to feel, I was telling Lindsay, like we had an interview um, on detox and chill podcast. So with Megan and Becky, um, I'm actually wearing my detox and chill podcast hat. So cute. So cute. They are very sweet and amazing. And their interview was great. And um, one of the questions they were asking is that how do we get the energy to be on tour, uh, to do these events back to back? 
to record the podcast, Mm. to run a business, to do, you know, all of those things. And really for me, it's been, I'm my complete self 24 hours a day. Mm. So before with working, when I was like, felt like I was lying about giving a shit about my job for 40 hours a week, it's exhausting and it's draining. But right now I'm able to go from podcasting to our business to events because I literally am no one but myself. It's exhausting to lie and it's exhausting to not be yourself. Yeah. And fake it. Faking it's so tiring. You know what I mean? Totally. One of the things that I really loved on the event, Alexander Rock, so that she talked about was um, the belly breath. Oh, yeah. So we've done this a lot in the work that we've done with Milana and with Alexandra um, and just in yoga in general. But uh, as women, we hold in our fucking lower belly because... So hard. And you know what? Like every woman has like that lower belly, you know what I mean? Like, and especially if you've had children, it's just like this, it's a womb. It Mm -hmm. holds a human being. Like there's going to be weight and emotion there. And so we usually don't breathe into that space. And so much of why we've been able to move through some recent blocks, or at least for me is because I've been able to like one, do that type of breath work where it's first inhale to the belly, to the chest, and then a big exhale. Mm-hmm. And one, it gets you kind of high. Two, it, does. It, it moves energy. So, so much of the emotion that we hold is in our lower belly. So um, I, I just think it's such a good way and it doesn't cost any money. You don't have to go anywhere. You can literally wake up, sit up and do this um, and move energy through your body. And I just love the idea of women loving that part of their body. Please give me permission to do that too. No matter what size you are. You know what I mean? It's a creative womb. It's where creativity is. I completely agree. It was, yeah. I mean, for us during, so we, during our event with Alexandra Roxo, she had us breathe into our belly breath and it was so hard for me to have my hand over my Mm. stomach and it took like 20 seconds for me to let my belly go. I was like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time right now with my hand mm-hmm. over it because it's like, oh, hands on it, go I in. Know. So I almost had to like actually remove my hand from from my belly and sort of let it go. But, you know, try that. Like we are meant to breathe in our belly. And when I took vo- vocal lessons or voice lessons, that was one of the biggest things mm-hmm. was breathing from That's my belly. That's a supported breath. That's a supported breath. If you're breathing in your chest, it's shallow and you cannot get enough oxygen. And oftentimes, if you just breathe from your chest, you can't finish a thought without running out of breath. So a lot of times singers, you get stressed. Yeah. And it's, yeah. (laughs) And you'll, and I believe if obviously that part of your body, that's activating your root chakra and your sacral chakra. So it's just all connected. It's really interesting. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. That was really, really powerful. So I'm trying to um, incorporate that that in every day really just making and it's like the feminine my breath a priority i'm wondering like what it would be like to like embrace that like <laughs> like naked with yeah. like a partner do you know what i mean yeah because i guess so often we just want to like look sexy but i'm wondering if they like don't care and like that would be just as sexy does mm-hmm. that make sense i feel like they'd look at me like i was a baby <laughs> You know, like a little round, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, cause you have a round belly and you'd be like, touching I know, it. totally. But it's kind of cute. 
I don't know. It I, could like, be cute. It's like whatever. It's real whatever. I don't know. It's really interesting how like if you were just laying there naked with like a belly, how, you know, that's not sexy. But if you're like, oh, you, quote unquote sexy. But if you were like feeling yourself, yep. maybe it would be. I know. You know what I mean? Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you want to read a review? Yeah. Is I that do. what you want? I yeah. do want to read a yeah, review. Yeah, go for it. This was... Such a cute one. Highlight of my week. Krista and Lindsay are angels sent to brighten up my week. I look forward to each new episode and am so impressed with how vulnerable, honest, and engaging they are in their interviews. Having been lucky enough to get a ticket for the live event in SF, I can say that they are just as lovely and genuine in person as you would hope. Thank you, Alan Kay, for bringing your unique style and sass to my life. From Laura in SF. Mm. Thanks, sweet honey. That's so true you, about our events. So true. Thank you. This one is a treat this week and it is just me. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm actually really pumped to hear this, but we were actually, we were um, at the Nicole Miller uh, office headquarters in New York City um, and we were lucky enough um, to witness history. Honestly, this, this office has been their office for what, 25 years? Yeah. And she has been running shit in fashion, for women's fashion for yeah. a long time. Men's She's fashion too, boss. but women's like for a long time. And, you know, we're just inspired by her. So we wanted to have Nicole Miller on the podcast. Yeah, the amazing Nicole Miller. She has been an icon in the fashion industry. Um, she opened her first shop on Madison Avenue in 1986. Yeah. And since then, she has really taken uh, the fashion world by storm, you know, finding a way to combine um, the styles of her mother and father in her life and really create chic contemporary wear for women that they feel really, really, really good in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't think about the fashion industry in New York or fashion without thinking of Nicole Miller. And she's just cool. Like she was so down to earth. She's like so real. Um, Kelly, who's amazing, you know, they're on their team who's been working with us and Caroline as well, both sweethearts and, and so good at what they do. Um, they had the best things to say about Nicole. You know, they it just, says everything. Yeah. Yeah, truly. They you know what I mean? They, they didn't have, have to. to yeah, yeah, they didn't have to say and that. And they said she's real and they said she's thoughtful and they said that she is just, you know, really grounded. Mm -hmm. um, everyone had great stories to say about her at the office. So mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of fun. I was really, really honored. I mean, if you would have told me in um, high school that I'd be talking to Nicole Miller, you know, that I would have never believed you or in the offices. Mm -hmm. um, so this was truly an honor and she's such a great person. Um, so we're excited to share, you know, this Nicole Miller interview with you. Yes. All right, guys. So join our secret Facebook group as always. Tell your friends. Um, so many of you have joined the group. It's actually insane. Yeah. Um, and it just makes us so happy uh and share this episode or any other episode that resonates with you with your friends you know if you feel like they could use a little inspiration a laugh whatever just share it with your friends you know it's a nice little gift in their day um and we will see you on tour um so we will be in seattle soon august 11th we have our la found LA uh, Female Founders event on August 8th. We're going to be in Portland, September 20th, Dallas, September 25th, Austin on September 27th, uh, San Diego in October, uh, and so many more. So stay tuned. Go to our website, almost30podcast.com slash tour to get more information, to get your tickets. And we just... And you can shop NicoleMiller.com with a discount code, almost 30. Oh, drop it. Drop it like it's hot. Go shopping, honey. Nicole, what's the discount? 
um, it's a discount amount for using the code almost 30. Great. Yeah. Love that. So go to NicoleMuller.com. I meant what's the code is what I meant. Oh yeah. Almost yeah, 30. Almost 30. And she, I mean, dude, her leather wear. On the uh, it's so good. She always nah. has an amazing leather piece, like a rocker piece. Her statement pieces. Life. Are so good. So good. Cause she doesn't, she's like so free with her creativity that it produces this like, it hasn't been done before. So a lot of designers copy, do the Which is whatever. hard to do. And she just creates and it's I know. Awesome. All right, guys, enjoyed this episode. We will see you on the other side. Nicole, so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks. We are, it's been a long time coming. Um, Kelly on your team, sweet angel. Mm-hmm. Um, when she reached out to us, it was like one of those moments. I was like, people like, you know, like Kelly and, you know, meeting you. It's like just such a moment. You're like, oh, like, I'm touching people that are really doing cool things and really interesting and really special. You know what I mean? Like people like when Kelly reached out and we collaborated with Nicole Miller to do those pictures, I was like, oh, like they believe in us and they're so cool. It's just a very flattering moment. It's like a very grounding moment. I'm like, okay, like what we're doing is, is awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? And to wear your clothes at that shoot was like, so amazing i actually this jacket you might you should ask my boyfriend every single day is like the jacket again because <laughs> i wear it every second i get and every second i wear it i get so many compliments on it They're well like, i don't think there's many in la so i think you probably have one of the very few in la i mean maybe like only one or two or maybe only one so you're not going to see yourself coming and going i know where did you get i mean where did you get the inspiration for this jacket well um it was kind of funny we did a mystical collection everything was about mysticism and we were just you know playing with tarot cards and things and Mm. and i don't know we just decided to make an evil eye and then we decided to make it beaded and so and then it's really funny because it was just one it was just like one on a piece of fabric Mm. and we're, we're thinking like oh well let's make more of them so then we made them like in every color and first we made a gown. So really? we made like this gown. Yeah, I wore it last year to the CFDA Awards. And it was great. Everybody wanted it. Anyway, so we had these fabulous evil eyes. And we were just, well, let's make one more thing because that looks good. And let's make more th- more, one more thing. And then we said, oh, let's make a leather jacket. Mm-hmm. And we made one. And then everybody was fighting over it. So I like this works. Yeah. And the skirt too. Lindsay, Lindsay shot in the tank top. I mean, yeah, the element of mysticism with the bead, with the leather is like so amazing. How do you like, so where did you find that sort of inspiration? Does your team bring tarot cards to you or like, where do you find inspiration like that to stay relevant? Well, you know, I've done a lot of collections based on New York mm-hmm. and I was just kind of intrigued with St. Mark's Place and its history. And then all those uh, palm readers and mm-hmm. the tarot card readers and and then the tattoo parlors and the piercing and everything. So it was just... I used to get like really cheap massages around St. Mark's Place. <laughs> well, we skipped the massages. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on in the room next door. <laughs> oh, we, we left that out. But anyway, so we just got into this whole St. Mark's thing and that was the theme for our, our pre-fall collection. Mm. And and then we showed it in the tattoo parlor and we told all the editors they could get a tattoo or body piercing, you know, on us. It was like free for the day. So I thought, oh, we'll do two or three or something like that. We did about 40 body piercings that day and everywhere. 
I mean, really? Everywhere. Ran the gamut, you know, ears, noses, other places. (laughs) What did you get pierced? (laughs) I got another little piercing on my ear. You did? Yeah. About halfway through the day, I gave in. I said, well, I can't leave here without another piercing. So Yeah. So I have a little diamond set in there. And then the tattoos, I mean, they went crazy. There was one girl who had this like huge wrap around her body tattoo. So... And so they did, you know, probably about 20 tattoos and, and, you know, like 40 to 50 body piercings. Like everybody wanted one or more things done to them. So it was a very popular event. That's amazing. I love that, especially with all the events that we do. That is like unlike any I've ever heard. And it was in St. Mark's Place. Um, It was not far. Mm -hmm. We actually didn't have it on exactly St. Mark's Place, but it was like a block away. That's amazing. Well... I'm so grateful that you're here and would love to, you know, for our listeners and our girls, I know a little bit about your story and, you know, your upbringing and your just kind of mixing the European with the American and how, how you keep it so cool and a little bit about your family. But I'd love to, you know, bring it back for the people that um, don't know about your history and kind of talk about who you are, where you're from, you know, how you got to be where you are today. Oh, okay. Well, so I guess... An important fact is my mother is French and she was from Paris and she was like a huge, you know, fashionista in Paris. She was like stunning. I have like these incredible pictures of her Mm. and all these incredible clothes she had. And she was like a very chic person. And then she met my father and she, who was American. And so she moved to the United States. Where'd they meet? They met in Paris. Mm. And so, um, yeah, he actually, he met her and then he moved back to court her and then they got married and Mm -hmm. she moved to the United States. So she was not quite prepared for like how provincial parts of the United States were. (laughs) (laughs) Like she was fine with New York, but somehow she ended up living a lot of states where she couldn't find good bread and good cheese and all Mm. those like good French things. And so anyway, but so she was always very, you know, fashion-minded. So we always had French magazines from France coming to the house. Mm-hmm. So we always had Marie Claire. And I actually found some really old Marie Claire magazines that my mother had kept in the attic for all these years, which I just handed them over to Marie Claire America. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it's unbelievable. They look, um, I found one that had Barbara Bach on the cover. That was pretty cool. That's kind of a treasure. Anyway, but the magazines were so big. You know how magazines are so small these days? Mm -hmm. These magazines were like huge. They keep getting smaller too. Keep getting delivered and they're like... Oh, especially Teen Vogue. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's the Teen Vogue one. I'm like, why is this so tiny? (laughs) But it's cute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, so anyway, I grew up with all that fashion influence and so... I really wanted to go to design school. So I went to Rhode Island School of Design and studied fashion. I also studied in Paris for a year. Mm. What was that like? That was very different because schools in Paris were very old school, very traditional, very haute couture and doing everything by hand. And, you know, it was very aesthetically minded. Everything had to be aesthetically perfect. Like every line had to be you know, like a beautiful curve. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States or at Rhode Island School of Design, everything was very conceptual. And I think, you know, now everything is very, very conceptual design-wise. Mm-hmm. But so I think the combination of the two is a great education. Mm-hmm. Do you learn at fashion school, do you learn about 
like the history of fashion or how, cause how do you like, I'm just trying to understand like fashion is so creative and it's so it's from my perspective, such a personal take on, you know, culture and what's going on. So how do you learn about fashion and then also maintain your own vision for what you want your own collection to be? Well, I mean, a lot of schools do teach you a lot of fashion history. So everybody has, you know, all these books on, you know, V&A or Balenciaga or Dior or, um, you know, Charles James or mm-hmm. Paul Poiret or, you know, any of those, you know, old, old um, designers. And, and I've, you know, over the years, people interpret a lot from old, old um, vintage clothes. I mean, vintage clothes is a big source of inspiration. But, you know, it's funny because like now vintage is like 20 years ago or, well, the 80s, the 90s. I mean, that's that's like vintage now, mm-hmm. whereas people used to look much farther back. But mm-hmm. I think people, you know, everything gets recycled like 20 years later. I know. I've just, I, I'm like old enough now to notice that. I'm like, oh, this is like happening again. You know, like all the 80s style fashion and like small sunglasses and stuff like that. That's really in now fanny packs. I'm like, oh, that was in when I was younger and... It does recycle. Like I know. Whoever thought fanny packs were going to come back? And everybody's got a fanny pack this mm-hmm. year. Everyone's wearing them over their shoulders, too. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't even know um, what's in there. <laughs> so you went to fashion school. And then, you know, what happened? What happened after that? Well, I went to New York. And I worked for this designer who was really big in the 70s. And his name was Clovis Ruffin. And it makes me sad because a lot of people don't remember him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those like really, you know, very talented designers in the 70s are no longer around. And um, I mean, he was like the superhero. Um, you know, it was a great time to be around because that, you know, all that, there was a lot of energy and everybody was going to clubs every night and dancing. And, and it was just a very exciting time. Anyway, after I left there, I, I went off and worked. Uh, for, I designed raincoats for a while, which I absolutely loved because I always, I've always been obsessed with raincoats. And <laughs> she's the raincoat you know, girl. <laughs> so you know, I had a, you know a few jobs here and there until I started my own business in uh, the eighties. Wow! And you were you fearful, like as a female entrepreneur designer? I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of competition. I don't think I ever thought about fear. I mean, I was just sort of busy working and mm-hmm. getting things done. So I think you're just always like, you know, working, trying to come up with a good idea or whatever. And the funny thing, the dress, there was a dress that launched my whole business. Mm-hmm. And it was this kind of blue sun dress with hip smocking. And when I made it, it was like very avant-garde and we never thought it would sell because it was, you know, very like fashion forward. And it just took off and it started selling. It started selling and it was like selling like crazy. And by the end of the year, every company in America had copied my dress. And it's funny because it's gone full circle. These dresses are coming back now. <laughs> You're like, they're going to copy my dress again. They're copying my dress again. <laughs> and, you know, I got to the point, I had to stop making it because I'd walk down the street and the knockoffs were like everywhere. So I was like, oh, I can't even make that dress anymore. <laughs> You're like, I hate this dress now. <laughs> and, and one of my girlfriends, who was a designer also for a competitive company, she says, you know, I'm the only person who's not going to make your dress, Nicole, because you're my funny. friend, right? And after about a year and a half, she goes, 
And I'm sorry, but I just had to make it because everybody else was making it. So I figured it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> what was the dress style? It was a blue sun. This oh. blue sun, you know, very oversized blue sun dress okay. on, on hip smocking. Okay, and, okay. And smocking's very popular now. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, yeah. companies doing smocking at the hip now. It's, it's um, back. <laughs> I'm back in a big way. Was it just viral? Like, did someone get photographed in there? Or what made it even? Well, you know, it didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Like it didn't, you didn't need a celebrity to launch a dress yeah. back then. And you didn't need, your, I mean, what would happen, you would, your dress would like take off on its own because people liked it. Mm. And what, it, back then, there would be a style of the season. So everybody would be wearing the same thing. And I remember like, you know, you just went anywhere and everybody would be wearing this dress. And I mean, nobody, nobody wants to look the same so anymore. True. And I remember it reminds me of the year that Norma Kamali did like the sweatshirt dresses. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody in New York was wearing the sweatshirt dress. You can walk down the street without seeing somebody in the sweatshirt dress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess eventually it's just like, you know, all things grind to a halt. Yeah. But I think there's much more individualism now because... You know, everybody like sees trends. They like trends. They they want to wear. But there's always like a hundred trends going on. And before trends used to come and they would go, and now they just don't go away anymore. Mm. I think they seem f- like they're in and out faster though with social media a little bit. It's like, or just from my perspective, what I see, it's like I see a trend and then I'll see it for a certain period of time, and then it becomes so overdone that it kind of stops or. It just like fades out from from my perspective faster because so many people caught on and you see it so much in social media that you're like, I don't want to do that. And then you're you sick of it. The, yeah. Yeah. But then what happens before you know it, then it comes back. And this is, this is what I feel about like the cold shoulder mm. because we've been so inundated with so the cold true. shoulders and everybody's like, oh my God, I cannot look at another cold shoulder. I know. And you give it another six months. It's going to be like just a staple product. So true. Do you like a good like black cold shoulder? Just like a basic. Yeah, because I'm a blogger as well. I often see like the the bloggers always. It's like once I see a few bloggers and then it's like, I remember when cold shoulder was like at the peak. I was like, I don't ever want to see a cold shoulder again. You know, because you would always see the post like OTS, OTS top, OTS top. (laughs) And you're like, got it. But but there's a little less of them around right Mm -hmm. now. Because there was like a restaurant in New York, everybody used to make fun of. They would say, if you go to this restaurant, every girl in the restaurant will be in a cold shoulder top. Really? <laughs> it's like an Italian, like no, no dim lighting? No, not What's e- happening? Not even. It was just a very popular restaurant. Mm. So it was yeah. all the fashionistas. Yeah. It, you know, it was, yeah, stylish people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like an Upper East Side restaurant, mm-hmm. but um, it was sort of not downtown hipster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fashionable. What do you think? What's in style right now? Not what do you think, but what is? Oh, what besides sneakers? Mm-hmm, honey. <laughs> Got my I, fresh kicks. I know. I mean, there's like... Everyone wears flats always now, or is that just LA? You know, it's really interesting. Um, well, I think it's great. So I think all the tall girls should wear flats, and then I'll still wear my heels. Yeah, <laughs> please do. I'm totally fine wearing heels for the rest of my life. I have so many heels in my closet, and I'm I don't even know how to walk in them anymore. It's like the LA. I just like well, never I w- wear them. I won't wear pumps. Oh yes, I will not wear pumps. Yes, I yes, I had a pump phase and never again. I don't know. 
I was in New York, I think. It was probably like five years ago when I was in New York. I was like, oh, I got to wear my Louboutins. And I wore them like in the meatpacking and got them all like the bottoms all ruined. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, <laughs> such yeah. a fraud. Yeah, I got rid of all mine. <laughs> yeah, same. Gone. I'm like, I actually probably going to sell them. Um, okay, so the blue dress like catapulted your career. And what is that? What does that Blusan, mean? Blusan. Blusan. Blusan dress. That's how. Well, I mean, we sold so many of them because we started the business on like $100,000, which is like no money. So, and it was just kind of naive. We just thought, oh, you know, we'll go into business and mm. blah, blah, blah. But fortunately, we had this dress, which we sold thousands of, and it, it really launched the business. You sold thousands of them in store or online, like at that time? Where there was we, no online. Yeah. <laughs> it was just in, in store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, wow. you know, they were, you know, Neiman's and Bloomingdale's and Saks and, oh, can't forget Bonwit Teller. What is that? <laughs> You've never heard of Bonwit Teller. That was a big, famous department store in really? New York. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was on like Fifth Avenue and 56th Street, maybe. Wow. Around there. Mm-hmm. And it's out of business. Long gone. Wow. And how did you get your clothes in those stores in the first place? I don't know. We called up the buyers. Really? And just pitched them? Yeah. I mean, they came in, saw the line, and they bought the line. Really? Is it hard? Isn't that hard? Like for, for someone well, to get their clothes in now, wouldn't that be hard? I have to say, yeah, well, I mean, the, the market is so much bigger for mm-hmm. sure. And everybody has so much more attitude too. Yeah. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, everybody has attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, buyers have attitude and, you know, fashion directors have attitude. Everybody's very attitude-y. So mm-hmm. I'm sure, <laughs> like, I'm sure if you cold called, you know, a buyer and told her to come up and see your line, it might not be that easy these days. Yeah, that's what I would, that's what, I love fashion, but that's what would kind of turn me off is the attitude of people. Like, how do you deal with like the divas and the attitude that can be found in the fashion industry? I I mean, I guess I just don't deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have to. Just like don't engage. Yeah. And I mean, you know, everybody, your friends are your friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I have some friends that probably, other people would say they have an attitude, but they're my friends. So, mm-hmm. so I guess everybody has their friends, and mm-hmm. everyone's got a friend with attitude, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, okay, so we're in the stores. You're making, you've kind of really catapulted the business, right? Was there ever a moment in your career where you were like, you know, like a down moment where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work, or was it just Oh, well, it was funny because one time we had bought too much fabric. This is kind of a funny story. We had bought way too much fabric and we didn't know what to do with it. So I was just, you know, and some of the prints weren't that great either. And that's why they weren't selling or whatever. So I decided to pleat them because, you know, you can hide a lot of sins by pleating fabric. (laughs) (laughs) So then I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just make something to go with it. So I made this like kind of chunky sweater. And I put it together as a set. And that was another big score. So, um, and we had to go buy more fabric. So we, we chewed up all the fabric we, that we were trying to get rid of and um, sold like crazy. And we made these um, chunky, it was a really cute sweater. It was like, um, you know, just a large gauge mm-hmm. kind of cotton t-shirt Love sort of that. thing. But it was a sweater with a pleated skirt. Uh, that was it. 
that was a big score. <laughs> That's so funny. So you're like, this isn't working. I need to figure out a way to make it work. Put in pleats, added the sweater, and then you needed to buy more because it was so popular. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that was fun. Yeah. That's amazing. And then where did but you-, you know what really made me mad mm-hmm. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this anyway, is what we want. <laughs> it was like a spring item and it was like great. And it's all like crazy, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. So I go, okay, for winter, I'm going to make it like with a, an Angora sweater. I'm going to do the Angora version. I'm going to do like the fall version of it, whatever. And nobody liked it as much. I mean, it sold a little, but it wasn't like the big, big hit. So I was like really disappointed. I was like, why don't they like my Angora sweater? It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Do you take things personally? Like with sales, like, can, are you like, oh, that make does it make sense to you all the time? No. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's. It's really weird because sometimes somebody will say something doesn't fit, fits me perfectly. And sometimes somebody says, this is a great fit. And I put it on me, it doesn't fit me. So mm-hmm. anyway, better to make everything with lots of lycra in it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, <laughs> just make it stretchy, honey. We just use some stretch. Where did you meet your husband? Um, oh, it was so funny. We were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. Kind of at a wedding. It mm-hmm. was at a party before a wedding. Like um, it was actually... They had a, um, you know, showers are always girls or boys. This was a girl and boy shower. Mm. We gave the couple sports gifts because they were very sporty and mm. athletic. And I had made the bride's gown and I had made all the bridesmaids' dresses. So, and I met my husband at this party. Well, you did. And was it like love at first sight? No, we didn't really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> It was not love at first sight. No, we were just like friends. Yeah. For, anyway. You have friends and then you... Um, and we're still together all these years later. Really? <laughs> how, many, how many years? Well, that was 89 when we met. Wow. And you have a son? Mm-hmm. Who's 22. How do you balance, you know, everything that you do with being a mom and being, you know, a See, wife? See, I never found that to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But I guess it depends on your job, mm-hmm. because I certainly, I mean, I regret not taking more time off my job, but certainly since like I'm the boss and it's my company, I can sort of call my own hours. So in retrospect, I wish I'd sort of taken more time off or like always taken like Fridays off or something, mm-hmm. but I didn't. But it, but the thing is, I mean, I was always managing, I mean, I always managed to manage everything quite easily. And, you know, I had babysitter would come during the day and, or, and then before you know it, they're in preschool. So. Mm. And what is he doing, your son? Graduating. (laughs) From? Trinity College. Cool. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. Does he like his mom? Uh, Does he like his mom? Or is he he like like my mom? Does he like his (laughs) mom? Well, I hope he likes (laughs) me. He loves his mom. (laughs) Um, He's, I don't know, he's a mix of both of us. Mm -hmm. He does have my hair, though. Aw. That looks just you for any women you know that are entrepreneurs that are looking to start a business um want to run their own business like what sort of advice would you give to them well i have to say things have really changed and i i say i'm so impressed by these women out there today because they're such Mm go-getters between like you know these influencers and you know people are making careers out of things that weren't careers before they're creating their own career careers they're creating their own ideas for businesses i mean all these girls like in the beauty industry and the youtubers and the you know the fashion influencers and everything and the bloggers it's it's amazing mm-hmm. and i don't know what kind of advice i can give them i'm looking for advice from them <laughs> <laughs> 
Why do you say that? Why are you looking for advice because, from the mom? No, no, because they are so on it at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when I started my business, I went through this very traditional route. I went to design school. I mm-hmm. went and I applied for jobs. And I was like, you know, working my way up and blah, blah, blah. And I think all these women today have such a vision of that the world is open and they can create their own thing. And I think this is just phenomenal. And they're not looking to just go, you know, be somebody's assistant and work up the corporate ladder or design ladder or any ladder. They're going to create their own space and their own identity and their own and their own business and their own world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I mean, I think a lot of opportunities have presented themselves with all the social media, you know, and, and the, all these tools we have today. We didn't have back then. There was mm-hmm. like no YouTube. There was no Instagram. There was, you know, none of that stuff. So I think all this has just created a whole new world. But um you know, I mean, all I can say to these women is just, you know, stick to your guns, be focused, have, you know, have your own idea, try to be original, try not to steal somebody else's idea and try to create your own identity in all this. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it is. It is so, it is, you know, like social media has its negative parts, but overall, like it has created jobs for a lot of people, you know, to allow them to be creative and to allow them to be expressing themselves on a daily basis and getting paid for it. Like I hear girls all the time, especially in the influencer space, they're like, oh, the algorithm, you know, everything about the algorithm. But without Instagram as a platform or YouTube as a platform, you know, people wouldn't have like a career, you know, these careers that they've made it, that they've self-made. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. It's incredible. Me being one of them. What is your self-care routine? Like, what, how do you take care of yourself? How do you, like, make sure that you show up every day for your office? Oh, I always wake up early. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never, I'm not a big sleeper. I have rarely overslept. I overslept once when I came back from California. I forgot to change my watch. So. <laughs> but you're like, wait, I'm the boss. I don't care. <laughs> Still thought I was in California time. But, um, you know, I go to spin class and, mm-hmm. you know, when I go to Pilates sometimes. And, you know, I mean, I do a lot of stuff, but also, like, I... I water ski, wakeboard, snow ski. I mean, I do a lot of stuff, kiteboard, mm. you know, I do a lot of different things. So I'm pretty active. I love that. Where do you wakeboard? In the Hamptons. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, because you go to, you live in Sag Harbor. Right. Part-time. Right, do you go right. every weekend or? Every weekend. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, go a lot. How do you get out of the city? Like, do you drive or train? You, you just like go through traffic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, what is the traffic like to do that? Well, but sometimes, um, sometimes on a Friday night, I'll take a seaplane or, mm-hmm. and now we have plane. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's all kinds of ways to get to the Hamptons now. There's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's like about three different um, companies that will fly you to the Hamptons. But we usually drive. Mostly we drive on mm-hmm. a you know Friday night and we sort of have it timed. Mm-hmm. Believe it a certain time, the traffic's not so bad. Mm-hmm. I love that. And what is your collection? What's your upcoming collection? Like, what's upcoming for you? Well, the next collection is resort. Mm. So um, it's got a little abstract art in it, little eighties in it. I don't know. It's still it's still a work in process. But I better hurry. I've only got a, about a month to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and what? Yeah. What's like? Do you sketch and then send your sketches, or, or how do you like create a collection? Well, the first thing I do is is get the prints in place okay. because the prints have to go first, and I feel everything just works around the prints. I kind of think it's easier when you're just doing solids, but um, mm. I don't know. Um, Prince has been very strong for a lot of years. When it's interesting, earlier 
I just remember like probably, I guess in the eighties, like prints were just out. There was a period of time. It was just, wasn't cool. It mm-hmm. was just always, you know, solids and prints were not cool, but now prints are really cool. Hmm. I feel like I just wear all black. So I just wear it in this jacket. So I don't really even know what's cool anymore. <laughs> like, where do you find I like stripes cool? too? I've always liked stripes. Yeah. Cause you're so little. Stripes look good on you. Stripes look good on everybody. I don't even know about that. <laughs> I don't even know if I believe that. Um, and I also was looking at some of the environmental causes that you're into. Oh, yeah. I've been I'd in, love to hear about those. Well, I've been involved with uh, Riverkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverkeeper and Waterkeeper. And they're all based on um, cleaning up the river. You know, all the... the Hudson? <laughs> well, one is um, a national organization or... And that's even, I think it expands to international too. And then one is local, which is just New York State. And then um, I've been involved with Rocky Mountain Institute, which is like an ecological think tank. Mm. So um, we've been involved in a lot of those things. And then I've been involved with a lot of like, you know, health things like juvenile diabetes and things like that around, uh, you know, locally and in, in various cities as well. Mm. When, you know, when we had a lot of retail and we have gotten out of most of our retail um, for a variety of different reasons, mm-hmm. but we got very involved in like the charities around the country. So like if we had a store in Chicago, we would be involved in like the Chicago charities and Philadelphia where we still have stores. So we're very involved in, in all, the, all that at a local level. Oh, that's so cool. Do you have your retail managers kind of figure out a charity or how do you really find well, those? Well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we let the, re- the um, local managers you know, find out what's, you know, most important in their community. Mm. And then you like, empower them to connect mm-hmm. with them. Absolutely. And, you know, then I'll go to that city for an event, whatever. Cool. And then um, I saw an American Express YouTube of you. I thought it was really cool about the office. And it seems like a really cool vibe that you have. You know, it seems really open and really welcoming. And I loved when you talked about some of the employees that you had you know, maybe have left and come back and uh, you just have like a really family type feel. Can you talk about, you know, the workplace of your office and what that's like? Well, the one thing, one of the things everybody loves about the office is we have a chef there that makes lunch a couple times a week. Oh, that's all I need. <laughs> so uh, that that's always like a big selling point. Everybody likes that and everybody likes to congregate in the kitchen. <laughs> And um, see what Beverly's making for lunch. And she's Jamaican. So a lot of times she's making something Jamaican. But cool. um, but she does a lot of things. So th- that's really important. But, um, you know, it's a very, like, open door office. And um, we have, like, a lot of company meetings. And everybody interacts, like, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's like kind of a big family. And we always have um, a company party at Christmas time that everybody really gets into and uh so we always do you know we always try to do nice things for the employees too mm. like what well i mean we had a big anniversary dinner at indochine we rented out indochine for the whole company one time and that was great and everybody gets a clothing allowance which yes. <laughs> everybody Enough. likes everybody Feed likes that <laughs> you know and and you know and everybody gets a lot of people get to travel oh that's so cool such as these girls here. <laughs> no, these lovely ladies. We love them. They are such gems. Um, just the last question. This is kind of off topic, but have you ever just, I guess being in fashion, have you ever just not been like backstabbed, but you know, like someone stole 
like your designs. Like that doesn't bother you when someone steals your designs and stuff? Well, the thing is, I guess if it's an older design, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. But there was a company that like one of my top selling blouses from, you know, way back, probably Mm -hmm. the 80s. And this girl went into business and she made her a whole name on my old blouse. And like her whole... Her, and she said how she liked to get inspired by things in thrift shops. So I don't even know if she knew it was my blouse, but this blouse is in the thrift shop slot. But it was exactly my blouse. And she ran with it for a few years. I don't think she's in business anymore because that was like a one-trick pony. <laughs> yeah, like what, can you like do cease and desist or like could you sue them? No, there's no, there's no copyright in clothing. Really? And the thing is, I have to say, I don't feel that protective about it because mm-hmm. I have seen people have, my idea like at the same time and you know and i've seen like major designers like major designers have a dress out that's exactly my dress and i doubt that they saw my dress or i mean i i it's just too coincidental like we come Mm -hmm. out with a very similar dress at the same time Mm -hmm. so i mean you know what am i going to do tell somebody oh you copied my dress and they're like no i never saw your dress or whatever yeah and they would probably see my dress and think they i copied their yeah, dress like, but i didn't copied my dress <laughs> but there's a lot of overlapping in design and there's a lot of stuff that's been around forever mm-hmm. and uh you know that's there's just very similar and then a lot of times people take stuff that's historical or that's just out in the public domain and just cuz one person doesn't did it first doesn't mean they own it mm. So I'm not as proprietary about stuff, but, you know, clearly if it's an identical design, it's like inappropriate. Mm. Because that's like fast fashion brands copy. I was really flattered when they copied a dress of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. It was kind of funny. I mean, they're cute. Well, the thing is, I still make the dress. They stopped making it. They made it for about like three months. Yeah. And they didn't do it right. Yeah, I was going to say. And, you know, they sort of, did it totally a different way, a cheaper way, whatever. I thought it was funny. Well, how'd you see it? One of my girlfriends had bought it. I was like, where'd you get my dress? And she goes, oh, I got this at Forever 21 or, or I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, think it was right. Forever 21. Whatever I saw, I didn't care. That is so cool. I mean, I, people sue over the most ridiculous stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, can, I think that Forever 21 and all those brands have like lawsuits constantly. Yeah. Well, and I, I imagine sometimes they're valid, but still, really, it's just... Uh, and who knows? Maybe they both saw the same vintage thing. Mm. I mean, there's this um, popular picture of Twiggy from the 60s, mm-hmm. and everybody has copied that top. I've seen that top on so many people's lines. Mm. And then there's another dress that I think was a Charles James thing, and it's a certain kind of pleat up the center. Like, everybody's done that one. So that a lot of times I see things like I know exactly where they got it, and then uh, um, oh VNA, there's like a dress in her book, like the VNA book. Everybody's copied that dress, mm-hmm. and like major people. Mm-hmm. That's so, so funny. So I I think people sometimes uh, they don't remember where they got their actual inspiration from, mm-hmm. and what gets me is like I feel like all the fashion editors should look at all these books because all the designers have all these books. And there's this this one book, it's a very old book from the 60s. It's called like Funk and Fashion, something mm-hmm. like that. They copied like this thing from this um, designer, Kaizik Wong, who was a 60s guy in California who designed this crazy uh, jacket. And uh, we had it. We were just like laughing about the whole thing. But it took them about, you know, it was like eight months before the New York Times finally busted on them on finding that. 
But, you know, designers have all these books on their shelves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. Like, we all have the same books. <laughs> you don't need to go far. And just another thing, I, a thing that, you know, Kelly was um, pivotal to, but I love that you guys are embracing social media so much and you're embracing like the influencer blogger. You're just embracing the girl of this generation and the cool girl. Can you talk about like social media and your brand? And Well, I, I mean, I think it's like just so fun mm-hmm. is what I like about it. So fun and it's like so exciting and you know, we had like this great picture on Sunday with the three girls walking down the street. I don't know if you saw it. That mm-hmm. was like, everybody got a great reaction. It was like three girls looking like they were having a great time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been um, great meeting a lot of all these influencers. They're they're like so, like I was talking about these girls being such go-getters. It's just so interesting to meet them and talk to them. So I've been really happy to have like a lot of, you know, events and interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a misconception too of like the what you know influencing and blogging is or being an influencer and blogging is I think you know if you're do some of the girls are the hardest hustlers that I've ever met you know I think that you could do it and really really put a lot of work into it and be really strategic and be really business-minded you know some of these women have built multi-million dollar businesses from you know nothing just like using the platform which is incredible incredible um, what are you excited about this year? What are you looking forward to for Nicole Miller? Well, um, first of all, the next thing coming up is the resort show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the CFDA awards are coming up. And then oh, I'm going to do Tahiti Fashion Week in Tahiti. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. And so resort wear is going to Tahiti? No. Or? Spring. Spring. Okay, okay. And when um, when do you go? Uh, Ju- in June. Okay. That'll be amazing. So excited for you so excited for you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for talking to the Almost 30 Girls. Um, they love my jacket. I know that because I talk to about it all the time. <laughs> um, but you are such an inspiration. I love that you are so um, welcoming of all women. I love that you are so dedicated. You are such a badass. So we are so thankful that you could talk to <laughs> us today. I appreciate it so much. Thanks. I like being called a badass. You are a badass. <laughs> Look at your jacket. Like you're just... And you just like don't know bullshit. Like you just are like unfazed and it's really cool. And that's how, you know, part of the reason probably why you're so successful because you just have your eye focused on what it is that you're here to do and you kind of don't let anything else sort of like get in the way. It's cool. You love your clothes. Thanks. Kiki, do you love me? (laughs) Yankee, we learned the dance and we did it at spring. So we were at, um, in New York at spring headquarters which is a website that we used to shop basically every every one of our looks on tour we got from spring they have brands like free people uh urban outfitters alexander wang gucci so they have high and low end and Mm -hmm. you can always find a good deal on there but anyways so we were there at the spring offices and we learned that dance what's it called the chiggy I don't really know. It's it's the Drake song in my feelings, but like we're really good at people are calling it like something completely different than what I thought it would be called. I know me too. Anyway, um, anywho, enough about my dancing. So lucky to talk to uh, Nicole Miller, yep. and um, 
you know, learn from a female entrepreneur that has been doing this since before female entrepreneurs were cool mm. and we're just so lucky. So thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much to her team. And if you haven't already joined the secret Facebook group, as always, we will see you on tour. We are loving mm-hmm. the tour life. So we're getting good at it. Mm-hmm. We're getting good at living that tour life. So we can't wait to meet you all. Um, visit our website, almost 30 podcast.com slash tour to get your tickets, tell your friends. Um, and we're adding, uh, stops as we go. Yes. Can't wait to see you on tour. I love you. Love you. Bye.